Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Economia, a podcast by the Latino Economic Development Center that aims to provide a window into the economic power of Latinos and other underserved communities in the U.S. I am your co-host, Monica Martinez. Today, I am joined by Emmy Reyes. Emmy is our Chief of Operations, Risk and Investments, and she will be co-hosting today's episode. Welcome, Emmy. Morning. Happy to be here. Today, we are interviewing one of the most successful Latina entrepreneurs in the D.C. region, Daniela Sr. Daniela is the CEO and founder of the Colada Shop in Serenata Sumo. She is also a partner at Presca. Daniela has been an LADC client since 2019, and so we wanted to bring her on and have her share her story with you. Daniela, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very, very excited to be here with you today. Daniela, yeah, thank you so much for being here. Um, before we jump into your entrepreneurial journey, um, let's talk about you. Tell us a bit about where you are from. Well, I was born and raised in Dominican Republic. Um, all my family's there. I, From a very young age, I've always had a very entrepreneurial spirit and always loved cooking. So I knew I was fortunate enough, uh, enough to know what I wanted to do with my life at a very young age. So probably by the time I was like 11, I knew what I wanted to do. And um, dedicated a lot of time and effort towards it. So, yeah, that's kind of that's where I grew up um, in a you know family of uh, five. Uh, have two sisters, and yeah, it's like I, I love growing up in Dominican Republic, but always had a bigger dream, and I always wanted to you know make sure that I was getting the best education that I could and had a dream to come to the U.S. to get uh, those goals accomplished. So you came to the U.S. on your own for culinary school and essentially left behind everything you hold dear, you know, your your way of life, your family and friends. Um, when we spoke a few weeks ago, you told me that all of your family is still in the Dominican Republic. Um, how has that impacted you? That's probably been the hardest part of this whole process. It's um, really not having like a full support system. I, you know, definitely uh, my husband currently, you know, is uh, someone that, you know, I obviously is my family here and helps me a lot. But I would say that's something that definitely has had an impact. And I wish very much that my family was here with me. Um, but, mm -hmm. you know, I'm fortunate that I can uh, go usually a couple times a year and see them. And sometimes they come see me as well. So but, you know, it's it's definitely a completely different lifestyle than what I'm used to or what I grew up with at this point. I've been here like over 15 years so I, I think I'm acclimated by this point but nonetheless it's still you know you you miss um, you know your customs your people your food mm -hmm. uh, so that that's always something in, in transition and that I hold very dear to my heart but you know I've always wanted to make them proud and I think that has always been uh, something that keeps me going and uh, just pushing myself. Now, you mentioned this earlier, but you actually had the entrepreneurship bug from a very young age. You launched your first business at the age of 13. Can you tell us a bit more about that? I did. I um, I came up with a dessert catering company. It was called Baked Specially for You. And I was always, even younger than that, I was always like doing little like paleteros and like just whatever I could do, uh, like selling stickers. I, I don't know. I always had that bug from an even younger age than that. But at that point, I had been baking for a while. I love cooking. 
And I remember asking my mom for some seed money. I'm like, hey, mom, I promise I'm going to pay you back. She <laughs> always has supported me through, like, uh, even at that point, through my uh, just, I, I guess, aspirations. I'm like, you know, I'm going to order some things. I'm going to start this business. And she did. Um, and I basically ordered all these like boxes and I designed my own brochure and logo and did this little stickers. And I basically, uh, bought all these like Pettifor boxes and I did about 130 of them. I remember and had wow. like a little sticker with my logo and my number at the time. I, I guess, I don't know. It wasn't so technological, especially back in NDR. So uh, I basically baked little samples of the desserts that I was doing, rolled up um, my little brochure, and went out and gave them to everyone like I knew. Like I went to my mom's job and gave her to her coworkers, all my neighbors, my uh, aunts and uncles, and their neighbors. Like I basically everyone that I could like figure out, I gave them one of these sample boxes and. <laughs> next day the phone started ringing and like that's really how it happened and it kind of grew um beyond my wildest dreams at that point and like in a matter of months i actually had six employees to just be able to keep up i was like catering wow. weddings uh desserts like it was uh yeah i was doing a desserts for companies as gifts so like very very big orders and uh, especially, you know, out of a home kitchen at the time, which, you know, I, I had to like buy a supplemental oven. I paid my mom back as I promised her. And, um, actually, you know, with that business that I had for a few years, I was able to pay for the majority of my college. So that was like, you know, it was something that I really wanted to do. It was also pretty expensive and being uh, an immigrant you don't really get the same uh, aid opportunities uh, in school here as you are here a citizen so mm-hmm. that was very important to me so I would bake before going to school my school thankfully was a bit flexible they knew like I had all this going on so at times it would let me kind of leave early uh, and then I would like continue baking through the afternoon and like finishing so yeah, it's uh, it was it was fun. I honestly, I I still hold those memories very very dear. I like at the time my sister was like six years old, and I remember having her like make like little balls. Like it's just everyone in my family oh. like still talks about it. My mom is like, yes, when you basically destroyed my kitchen. But <laughs> but besides that, you know, it's uh, both sides. But it's it's. Um, it was fun. It was fun. And I think it definitely prepared me and uh, gave me a foundation to uh, start my own business here as well. You know, I mean, that sounds like so many Latino stories, right? Like it's always a family affair when a business is starting out and you get the children and the parents, like everyone's involved in every mm-hmm. stage of, of the growth yeah. of the business. Oh, yeah. Like my parents were definitely like delivery drivers, whatever it took. You know, my mom's not one too much for the kitchen. That's probably why I started cooking. That is <laughs> not, that's, I think it skipped the generation. I got it from my grandmother. Uh, but yeah, but it was definitely uh, very much a, a family affair to start. 
So I relate to that. I like grew up being the hostess at my parents' restaurant all of my childhood. And so you'd think I'd be a little bit more outgoing, but I'm still quite shy and definitely did not get too close to the kitchen, um, but still <laughs> had that sort of love affair with, with the food industry. Um, so we'd love to hear a little bit more about sort of you, you know, you go to culinary school. How did you land in D.C. and, you know, the, the different concepts that you've constructed throughout the city? Sure. I landed in D.C. Um, as a manager in training for the Four Seasons Hotel. Um, so that was kind of my uh, first job out of uh, school. And quite honestly, I hated it. It was uh, very traumatic when I moved here because I moved to D.C. Like, you know, it was uh, at the time even way different than New York where I was and I also had more uh, people that I could relate to in New York than in, in DC more of my food more of my culture uh, so but made a decision to move here for that job and it was my first time working in a hotel and I I really didn't like it I I'm very autonomous and I like making decisions if I see something that's not working right I like to fix it so like mm -hmm. very big uh, corporate conglomerates were not my thing again because I'm very much entrepreneurial like it's it's not right let's fix it I I really lack the patience uh, for being like well it has to go through 70,000 departments before this decision <laughs> can be made so uh, yeah, so I moved on from that job actually fairly quickly. And it was a very hard decision because, you know, in my mind, it was like, oh, my God, I'm working at the Four Seasons, one of, like, the premier hotels uh, in the world. And in D.C. being such a important market for them. And it was just like, in paper, it seemed like everything I wanted. But in reality, it was everything I did not. Right. And I I struggled it, with that decision a lot. But I definitely think it was um, ultimately the right one. Um, and then basically ended up working with Chef Jose Andres for a number of years. And that was definitely some very, very important for my career and my development because it was a company that well it has evolved a lot but at the time it was definitely they valued very very much um you you bringing and pushing the limits they really wanted you to be very creative uh think outside the box how you know how are we thinking different from everyone else and like my uh, my opinion mattered, right? And that's really what I wanted from the place that I was working. It was like, you know, I'm spending so much time, as you know, hospitality is an industry that's very time-consuming and demanding. And it's just like, you know, working 16 hours a day, six days a week, seven at times in a place. Like, you want to make sure that what you are bringing to the table, you're contributing something, you're making a difference. And um, so I grew with that company a lot, and uh, Chef Jose still is like one of my mentors to these, uh, these this day. And he like you know we chat sometimes, and that's also something that's been very important in my career is just mentors. Um, so, anyways, at at some point it was like I really had that bug of entrepreneurship that was really kind of. He kept calling me, hey, Daniela, where you're at, right? Like, I, I, I had my dreams from a very young age, and I felt that I had really learned uh, in different restaurants, different environments, opened a number of restaurants, um, that it was time. You know, it was, it was time to kind of put my dreams in place um, and also 
something that I had seen uh, through my experience here, I really ultimately wanted to change um, the narrative for Latino restaurants and uh, and mm. concepts. You know, like what I found here were a lot of hole in the walls, which were absolutely delicious, but not necessarily respected or people um, willing to pay really what that food was worth, right? And um, I, I really wanted to create spaces that ultimately put the Latino culture in uh, a place that people are okay with paying the same for a taco. I mean, I don't own a Mexican restaurant, but like a taco, the same as for a crepe. Like, I just didn't see like, hey, like the effort is there is the same. Why are Latino cultures being put in uh, a different spectrum? Why is the value not the same? So I had that as like a driving force for me and like whatever that I was gonna put forward is like I wanna make sure that I'm elevating our, our culture, that people are seeing beyond, again, hole on the walls, which again, delicious, uh, love going to them, but it's also a matter of just like respect and elevating our culture and showcasing all the beauty that uh, all the different countries of Latin America have to offer so um so yeah so i started my journey uh as an entrepreneur with colada shop and uh with that i had my business partner um juan coronado and also um, mario monti and you know we Cuba was, um, a lot of people ask me why Cuba if you're from Dominican Republic. Well, one of my grandmothers is, was Cuban, so I have I have that as well. But it, it really kind of, uh, and my best friend who's our um, food uh, director, he is uh, half Cuban. But it also seemed like the perfect country from a mystique standpoint, from a cocktail standpoint that also had represented a lot of my career, uh, where we can really put it all together and uh, showcase it in a way that was beautiful, delicious, uh, showcase a hospitality component and that we kind of would all be able to merge um, nicely. So. That's how we started, and actually that was, um, we opened our, the doors to Colada Shop uh, five years ago next week, actually. So coming oh, up. Uh, congratulations. And, yeah, thank congrats. you on, on five years. So that's very, very exciting. Yeah. Wow, that's so exciting. Yes, and so I've been fortunate enough to, to visit all of your establishments. Um, during the pandemic, Bresca was the last one remaining, so I'm glad to have checked that one off, off the box. Um, but you and I actually met a couple years ago when you were preparing to open Serenata and Sumo. Um, but I know that before that, you've actually worked with LEDC as a mentor for our Empowered Women International program. Um, so I'd love to learn a little bit sort of how that transition was for you um, to going from sort of mentor and then working with LEDC as a client. Yeah. So, you know, I, I thought also through my career at that point that it was important to give back and uh, to be able to change that narrative beyond the spaces. It also meant that we needed to change the narrative, the people running the spaces, right? And that ultimately uh, meant making sure that there was a change in uh, ultimately how are we assuring that people that do not have the same opportunities have the ability to get uh, get them um, from other countries, right? We have so mm -hmm. many uh, amazing women 
coming to the U.S. Um, that are very talented and sometimes, you know, are overwhelmed by that, that change in, in culture, change of language, and it, it becomes quite difficult to be able to achieve their dreams here. And so I started mentoring uh, with Empowered Women International, and it was something, you know, to give back, but also giving me back. And it's uh, it's been, been very rewarding. I have met amazing women that I'm still in contact today and, you know, have formed very strong bonds and relationships through that. And that's how, you know, I first kind of got introduced to LEDC. And as I mentioned with Colada Shop, I... I have a number of partners, but I, you know, I, I wanted to branch out. Uh, Colada Shop initially was supposed to be a bar. It was going to be called La Obra, and then it was a speakeasy, and Colada Shop was actually the cover for the speakeasy and, like, the little cafe above. So I still had that, that dream of that bar, and as I mentioned, like, um, from... The culinary world, then I transitioned a little bit into very much beverage heavy and like uh, bars and cocktails as something I'm very passionate about and wine. So I wanted to open um, this bar and um, this one, I wanted more to do it kind of no, not so many partners. And that also meant that the access to funding uh, was very challenging. Even though I had already had a, a couple businesses, um, it's, you know, when you're talking for a high risk business as a bar or a restaurant and you're a, a woman, people are still like, ah, I don't know about this. And um, I actually, at the time, um, learned from a friend, just like, hey, you're doing Empower uh, Women International that's like basically funded by LEDC and they help out small businesses. And, you know, they they would love to talk to you. And that's how we met. I mean, I remember very much you came over to Colada and we, <laughs> you know, um, sat down. And, you know, to me, that was such an instrumental piece that to be able to like honestly fulfill that dream and it's um the the process was fairly quick you know it it didn't take that long and uh very very flexible i you know you guys were incredibly understanding and like and the story and the narrative i i think that's something that um has to be that is crucial a point here like when you go to a bank it's so overwhelming they're not they don't they they're very like how i like to call it squared right like they don't Mm -hmm. care really about the story they don't understand the path or well you know this decision had to be made and that's why you know our cash flow is not the greatest like but there is a you know there is a reasoning behind it and you can explain through how where your business is at and have you grown or not and i think that was very very important for us and honestly how we how we made uh serenata happen was all thanks to ledc and the funding that uh we got through you guys so that that i am forever grateful for because not only has you know that given me the opportunity to open a, a bar but also you know with that i've employed so many other women and supported them and actually you know the one of the chefs that I met at Empowered Women International became the chef at Serenata, and now she's opening her own wow. um, business, Mita, and like we've helped like that through the process. So like it, it goes beyond me and my bar. I always try to like make sure that I'm also helping and giving back to others, and yeah. So it's yeah, that's amazing. That has been awesome. As we know, 
COVID-19 was particularly detrimental to minority-owned businesses um, and even more so for minority women-owned businesses. How did COVID-19 impact yours? Wow, how did it not? (laughs) You know, that's more like it, it really, you know... To add to your list, I think hospitality in general got like tremendously impacted at times we, you know, were forced by governmental mandates to close our doors, to not allow people in. And, you know, places like Serenata being a bar, that was very, very challenging to navigate. I, I, you know, we got through it. Um, and are still going through it, but it's, I think it was crucial to be able to have some, you know, financial backing and just understanding, like I've always operated and make sure that we've had in all the businesses, um, you know, Murphy's Law money, you know, how I call it, just like, just, just in case, because, you know, if everything always went how it was supposed to, like, you know, a lot of more people would be in business. So, and I think sometimes you just need to be able to have that extra cash in the bank. So that has always been something has been important to me in running my businesses to make sure that we have, um, that capital set aside and, um, to give us time to kind of think on our feet. And I think that was very instrumental, uh, through this process, but, you know, we had to think quick and we did and uh, did things like we were one of the first people at uh, Serenata to introduce uh, like cocktail classes, virtual cocktail classes and kids and uh, to go alcohol components, same with Colada Shop, we did a lot of uh, to go and packages and start, you know, the the main thing for me is like, I want to make sure that we still remain engaged with the people and our communities that have supported us throughout. So like doing a series of activations that were providing food to them, but also providing um, obviously service and keeping our people employed, which to me was the most um, important part of it. Like I... In a, in a way, got lucky that we were about to open our second store right when um, at the wharf um, when the pandemic hit, and it you know we kind of halted it for a minute. But then to be able to basically keep all our staff employed, we kind of split them. You know, it's like okay, we'll open with that. So that was something that just honestly to me happened out of luck but we did not have to lay off uh anyone which was very important to me because you know it's just a people are what make up our business Uh, it's Mm -hmm. not you know i i can have the foot on the pedal but if i do not have the right people to be able to be alongside of me to implement or you know i don't get anywhere and like that was the the things like we've worked so hard for so many years to get the right people in here and just form that family um and i don't want to lose them and i i knew like the moment it's like that they would stop working or away they have to feed their families and they had to do whatever they needed to do and um so i am happy that we were able to keep them employed um and their majority and and yeah and, and keep thriving and you know we've are about to open our fourth location, uh, I guess next week or two weeks from now, I don't know. I, I can't even keep track of time right now, but uh, very, very soon. And, you know, we kept growing and expanding. And I think people have definitely seen that perseverance and that determination to uh, do the best that we can and service our communities and it's paid off. 
I've been in all of everything that you've accomplished during the pandemic. I we I used to joke during staff calls because um, they were Friday mornings and my Friday afternoons was the cocktail class with AJ. And so uh, we'd always joke that I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm basically funding their expansion at this point um, <laughs> because I was so impressed with everything you were doing. And um, not only, you know, were you st- everyone was sort of struggling to to adapt, um, but you sort of helped movements that arose from the conditions that were during the pandemic, right? We had the Black Lives Matter movement um, that was very prominent in the beginning of COVID. I was really impressed um, that you guys sort of hosted a fundraiser, I remember, for the Back to Black movement. And so um, I was like, not only are they remaining open and opening more locations, but they're finding time to sort of use their their presence and their space um, to promote and support the activism that arose throughout the city. So I just wanted to sort of acknowledge how incredible that was um, and how impressed I, I, I am by all of that. And I think, you know, La Cosecha, where Serenata and Zuma opened, was sort of slated to open and then COVID happened. And so not all of the businesses in the space opened. And I just felt Serenata's like carrying La Cosecha because it's sort of, it's the most prominent space, right? It's in the center of this large space. Um, and it's sort of what attracted people to continue to come and, and use that space. And now I just went over to the weekend I, I take my research very seriously. So I went uh, this weekend and I try the new spritz bar and everything. And I'm like, they just, I don't know how you continue to expand even more so in that space. Um, and so one of the things, you know, I know you you opened the wharf. Uh, the Potomac location looks absolutely beautiful. I haven't quite made it there yet. Um, and I know that you're about to open another location. And so, you know, one of the, and you sort of alluded to this earlier, but I'm curious to know a little bit more about how you choose your locations, right? Because they're not traditionally where people would think to go open a new spot and I know you're now expanding in Virginia um, and as businesses you know owners try to open I think it's very important to to really look at the markets that you're looking to attract and sort of why um, so yes I, I think that's essentially my question is you know how do you choose where to go next sure so the the thing I will say with COVID you know it's um, kind of I'm taking it back a, a little bit um, is you know, out of every bad situation, you can look at the at the glass half full or half empty, right? And it's just there. There's a lot of negative things that came out of it, but I also think that I chose to take advantage of the, the good ones as well, and uh, and see the opportunities that were developing with with that. And like, just one thing that I I think that I try very hard to do is to not drown in the day-to-day if that makes sense because there's a lot of pebbles and I I look at things like pebbles and rocks like in in my year and how I even like when I talk to my team it's like what are your pebbles and what are your rocks and why because can I just use this analogy if you have a, a top and you have these large rocks and you have all these little pebbles if you fill the pebbles first the rocks are not gonna fit but then if you put the rocks first and you fill the pebbles, they'll find them. They'll find their way through the cracks, and then everything fits, right? And I think I say that because I think the rocks are important, and being able to just kind of not get inundated by the day to day, and recognize that you kind of need to keep pushing forward beyond those difficulties is it's something that has definitely had an impact, and you know, in in my current success, and hopefully in the success to come. Um, and I bring that up because I think as 
landlords were recognizing and seeing and and just taking note of hey like no like like you said it's like okay not only are they innovating and doing things and we're like open small bar outside and then open spritz and like you know that same landlord Eden's from like so it's like hey we have this amazing spot at Potomac and it's like you know it's almost fully built it was only open a year and you know we we don't want anyone else with you i turned down the space like three times to tell you the truth <laughs> and i'm like i don't know potomac doesn't seem and i'm like what's gonna happen with the pandemic whatnot but i kept going to it i kept saying like i don't know and kind of delaying and pushing the process but one thing that i always do is like i go to the spaces like at all times of the day, especially because our business runs, uh, you know, basically 24-7 at this point. So it's just seeing the traffic, seeing the people, seeing, like, the smallest conversations and just, like, sitting in the parking lot, seeing, you know, like, just observing. Like, observing is so important and just even, like, again, going and purchasing from other businesses, seeing in the area what's happening there, what comments from the people, it's just like, and one thing that I kept seeing was A, the traffic was super, super high, and people, the comments that I kept hearing was like, you know, it's like, I wish we had more options, I wish we had more options, and like more diverse options, and like, and also saw uh, a large mix of, of, people like from different backgrounds that was very interesting to me that were well traveled but also a, a lot of latinos which i was not expecting mm-hmm. um and but also you know again people from very different backgrounds the age uh, the ages were very diverse so a lot of things that made sense for colada shop and then the space itself was Again, a great opportunity for us because it was already uh, fairly new built. So we just had to do more of a cosmetic remodel, and uh, you know the investment wasn't so so huge. But um, I think ultimately, even when you're giving something that's free, it might not be. Not that this was free, but I'm saying because it has happened to me in the past. I've actually turned down spaces that were like, "Hey, open here. We'll build it out uh, completely for you." Free doesn't always necessarily mean uh, a good choice. There's a reason why it's free, you know? And same with locations. Going into cheaper spaces doesn't necessarily make it better. Just because your rent is lower also means uh, potentially, not it's not always simultaneous uh, but or, or side by side, but that also means that your potential uh, revenue is a lot smaller, right? And like you need to understand what's uh, the best location for your business and not necessarily be afraid of uh, a significantly like at times like larger commitment if you are sure that you're able to execute on it because mm-hmm. location is so crucial uh, on in businesses like uh, you know if you're in the wrong place and you're not attracting the right demographic or there's not the right foot traffic and that's why you even see like larger corporations at times I don't know if you've noticed even like Starbucks for example they move from one corner to the other and you're like how did they just do that because it's so important mm-hmm. um, that right foot traffic where people are hitting and I think you know yeah great if you have uh, you know a million data points and the money to do that but I think also just spending the time and just observing opening your eyes opening your ears and just making sure you are 
not like oh this is pretty and shiny or you know it's or it's cheap you know it's like just to it might not be the the right decision for you and also like i think working with uh with landlords is very important landlords will recognize when there is a good concept and they also know the impact that ultimately has in the whole overall uh experience and you know the right tenant will also attract more better tenants for them so Mm -hmm. you need to make sure that you like leverage that too and understand um at, at basically at times what you're dealing with so at the time when we signed those leases we were still in the middle of the pandemic so it was like you know i need to have some securities built into this for you know at least the next 18 months to make sure Mm -hmm. that we like if we go into full lockdown again that we're protected so you know just don't be afraid to like ask for what's right and i think a lot of people tend to not push enough uh back because it's like oh it's such a large company well this is what they gave me it's like no you need to make sure that you're making the right decision for your business because ultimately you're a very small part of theirs well for you it means everything right so just make sure that you understand very well what your business needs the foot traffic and 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 make uh your location decisions based on that i think that's like very valuable information for um entrepreneurs, especially as they're growing and expanding. Um, I know a couple of weeks ago I, I called you and I was like, you know, all right, sent you an email and I was like, Daniela, we have the funding again for, for restaurants that are growing and expanding. Do you know any business owners that are looking to expand in DC? And I'm amazed that you're in, in the middle of all these openings and like within four hours you had connected me with like a number of other business owners. Um, and it's been some great conversations with them. Um, and I know one of them, for example, Gran Cata is also expanding in Virginia. Um, and to me, the, the great thing about that is that you're not just building your own sort of empire, right? But you're bringing up others along the way with you and you're building these connections. And, you know, as a former mentor for EWI, I'm sure uh, that you've learned many valuable lessons. So what are some things that you think um, that entrepreneurs who are looking to grow and expand right now um, should keep in mind as they do? Honestly, follow your gut. You know, I, I think you cannot put enough value to that. It's just like if it doesn't feel right, it doesn't feel right. Um, don't go through it. I, I think and and like ultimately like knowing your value, uh, I think it's very important. Um, I think the other thing, as especially when you're starting out, is being very conscious of who you go into business with and uh, understanding and making sure that you're aligned and the same goals. Or if, or if, you know, you have to take money from some people, making sure that the terms are very clear. One thing that as helping other people, I've noticed is there's just a lot up up in the air. You know, at, at times it's just like, oh yeah, we kind of talked about it, and things are not in writing, um, and I, I think though that's a very slippery slope to go down. Uh, and it's just like you want to make sure that yes, you you need to get what you need to get to be able to open your business, but make sure that the terms are very clear. So when there is an upside, because if you're gonna give it your all, there will be an upside um, that things don't go south then because I've seen that a bit it's just like when things finally start taking off and then people start seeing a little bit of cash flow then there starts to be um, you know potentially some some disagreements and things of that nature so just I think it's just very important to have your affairs in order and just very clear um, documents that's 
that state what you know everyone is doing and and so forth so i think being as clear as possible in in that regards and yeah but you know it's to me it's just perseverance uh ultimately is um it's like the passion is what gets you through the door but it's ultimately about perseverance because that's what really uh, is gonna get you through the day-to-day there's so being an entrepreneur is a roller coaster that is you know we have great days and really bad ones and you know you have to hold yourself up and that that is probably the most challenging part is like you're not uh, dependent on like turning your head at times like oh who do who do I ask you know it's just like you kind of have to you. you have yeah and you know and at, and at times you're having also very hard days and you have a, a team that you have to kind of like up uplift and not let them see that it's just like okay you know it's gonna be okay when you you know it's like through the pandemic for example where it's like I have no idea what tomorrow is going to bring, but we're going to get through today and then tomorrow and like just take it a day at a time and making sure that, you know, you're because it's all about the people, you know, it's like, again, building um, it's and you mentioned, you know, helping others. And I I think it's ultimately uh, I did not get here alone. I, I got here for. A number of reasons, an amazing team, but also an amazing community of people, you know, and, and I think making sure that we're uplifting others along the way and uh, is incredibly important, um, you know, not only for what I want to leave behind as my legacy, but also just in building a more uh, diverse business community, which is part of my my goals, and it's just it's making sure that when opportunities uh, are there, that we're not like, well, let me not tell them so they don't get to no. It's just like even 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 if people are competitors, it doesn't matter. It's like we can all shine together. Um, as I mean, just make sure that you keep pushing it. It's just don't settle, you know. So, Daniela, what you've accomplished so far is pretty inspiring. Let me ask you this. How are you able to manage all of these businesses? <laughs> I, I don't sleep, but, uh, <laughs> or very little, not gonna lie. Um, no, honestly, just my team. It's, um, it's the, the one thing I, I'll keep saying is just building the, the team is, as you're expanding, is very, very crucial and having people that you trust um, that uh, know how you think. It's very, very important to be able to grow your business because I can't be obviously everywhere at once, especially right now and like being in three different states and like having all over that there's not enough hours in the day. So it's making sure that, you know, you have people that you trust um, and are there uh, in all your places. So like, you know, you mentioned AJ Emmy at, at Serenata, like, you know, I mean, it's like my right hand, uh, uh, so AJ is like completely my right hand at Serenata and it's just like, you know, she's there. It's like without her, I couldn't do it, you know? So like that's, but I, I can say the same with my, my team at Colada Shop. It's just like every place um, has to have people that we trust and like making sure that as one thing that I do is like making in this, I took from like Danny Meyer as inspiration. It's like making sure that you kind of have as you're growing that yeast that's making, you know, the bread proof. So make people that you've worked with in one location and making sure that there's always someone that is already seasoned per se that has been with you for a while you're bringing them to a new one so that culture keeps spreading and you know and yeah and making sure that every every time that i get to make an impact that i do and uh stay connected with the team but 
it's it's a work in progress. I'm not gonna say that I've I've mastered it. Well, you For, make it look easy, so I say yes. you're you're pretty close to mastering it. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, if there's somebody who's interested in visiting Colada Shop or Serenata and Sumo or Bresca, what would you tell them? Just, you know, come on in. Uh, uh, Colada Shop, it's, uh, we call it an all-day affair. It's really a very open concept. Um, we're open basically all day. So just pop on in. At Serenata, we have a multiple, like three concepts right now within the space. So uh, for, you know, Serenata, I do recommend reservations for the cocktail experience, but you can also just walk in to both um, Salud and Spritz, which are in our patios. Uh, so just more more on the casual side and you know Brusque I do recommend reservations um, it, that one's a little bit more fine dining and more of a longer experience but our bar just reopened as well and that's first come first serve and you know we Colada shop we are at 14th Street and the Wharf in DC and then Potomac and opening in Mosaic District and uh, Serenata we are in the Union Market District at La Cosecha Market and Brusque's in 14th Street so Look forward to seeing you there. That's, you know, that's hopefully we catch each other. <laughs> yeah. Well, Daniela, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your story. Um, yeah, for those of the, you who are listening or watching, uh, please do yourself a favor and stop by either Bresca, Colada Shop, or Serenata and Sumo and try some of the amazing dishes and cocktails they have to offer. I definitely recommend the Good For You Mojito. It's especially good after some not-so-great uh, Good For You Mojitos. Um, <laughs> but if you'd like to learn more about LEDC and the finance and products that we have available, please visit us at ledcmetro.org backslash business. We would also love to hear what you thought about today's episode. If you have time, uh, please head over to ledcmetro.org backslash podcast survey and let us know what you think. Until next time, thank you. 